all is quiet in the realms of men, if only for a short while. But all is not quiet here. In the realm of Mark talk, you have entered the next installment of Mark of Thrones. This is the part of the podcast where I give you my thoughts and my review on the most recent episode of Game of Thrones. We got a lot to talk about, and by we, I mean me, the royal we. We have a lot to talk about with The Last of the Starks. Episode 4 of 6 in Season 8. My God, we're, we're almost done. Oh, that's the, uh, the trouble or the beauty, whatever you want to call it, of having a short season. Because I love this show so much and I want more. But I, uh, I do want to pivot on that. I love this show. You know, th- th- this episode has been get- getting a lot of... Uh, it's This one's very divisive. I might have said uh, that The Long Night was the most divisive uh, episodes thus far. But no, it's this one. And why? Why is it so divisive? For many reasons. Uh, f- uh, for many reasons for other people, evidently. But for me... I enjoyed the hell out of it because we just got done seeing one of the most intense, dramatic battles we've ever seen on this show. And ultimately, probably the most important battle because it's the it's the war for the dawn. You know, th- this is the battle that's that's not to say that I'm downplaying what is to come. Because obviously the one that's to come is going to be the the ultimate battle of, well, what is going to happen to Westeros indefinitely? But see, we wouldn't get that battle if not for the one we just got in the Long Night. Because, hey, if the Night King and the White Walkers, the Army of the Dead, if they win, we're all done. It doesn't matter that Cersei's got her army of of uh, of the Golden Company and her fleet of Euron Greyjoy's uh, Ironborn. None of that matters if the War of the Dawn is lost. And thankfully, we know that it's not. And you know who is responsible for that primarily? Well, you could say little Arya Stark. Because, well, she is the hero, and we get an acknowledgement of said hero in this episode. But, uh, look, I just want to point out something, okay? Look, this episode has got people going nuts. Whether it's, they're going nuts about uh, what happened with Missande, they're going nuts with uh, where they think uh, Daenerys's mindset is, they're going nuts on uh, the the John and Ghost thing. They're going nuts about this and that and everything in between. And I've heard a lot. I've heard a lot about uh, what people had to say about it. But I'll be honest with you. It's just, they're screaming into the void about nothing. Let's just go right into it. Masande unfortunately becomes a hazard of war and she is executed by Queen Cersei right in front of Daenerys and Grey Worm. Daenerys loses her most trusted confidant, her her friend, her translator, uh, her liberated slave. This girl who for as long as she can remember, she's known nothing but being a slave. And then Daenerys came about, the the mother of dragons. She came in and freed her. And she killed the masters that enslaved her beforehand. And she took the Unsullied, the army of of inhuman uh, eunuchs. But she gave them a choice. She said, you can fall, you you can leave. I hereby release you. And people don't remember that. She got her massive army because they chose to follow her. 
she straight up in season three tells the Unsullied, I am now, I mean, I'm your leader now, but I am not a master. So if you want to, you are free. I hereby declare that you're free. If you want, if anyone wants to go, you go. No one will stop you. You go out and you live your life however you want to live it. However, if you would stay, will you fight for me? Will you be my, uh, my army, my personal, uh, guard? Will you fight for me so that we can strike down all those who would oppose us? All the masters, all all the would-be slavers. And every one of them does. She gains that army because they believe in her. She is their liberator. Their queen. Masande points out when uh, she's talking to Jon Snow in Davos... She's the queen we chose. We're not following her because she's the daughter of some king we've never known. We follow her because we believe in her. If we wanted to leave, we would go. Hell, she would give us a ship and we would send us on our way. But we chose to follow her and we're sticking with it because we believe in her because she is... I mean, she is destiny personified. But now everyone wants to say, well, Daenerys is just off her rocker and she's crazy and she is totally the Mad Queen now. Based on what? Because she's angry that uh, things aren't going the way she had thought in her mind? That she didn't get the uh, warm welcome that maybe... Uh, foolishly she expected when she arrived in Westeros maybe uh, what you think she's crazy because she's got this over this sense of uh, overconfidence well wouldn't you if you attained a massive army of, of skilled fighters the unsullied who have who have had a reputation of being the most skilled army of warriors for generations and they chose to follow you willingly and not only that then you convince a whole massive Kalazar a horde of of Dothraki one of the biggest they chose to follow you you name them all your blood writers, which is like, that's a high honor. Everyone is important. And they, the, a, a, a massive horde of people that do not follow women, do not respect women, but they chose to follow you. They bowed down and followed because they seen what you can do. And they continue to fight for her. Two massive armies, not to mention uh, half of the uh, the Ironborn. You know, and nobody likes the Ironborn, and the Ironborn had had just finished uh, uh, being a, a, you know, rebelling again, trying to be their own nation just because they're a bunch of salty bastards. But then they chose to follow the Dornish, who have. Speaking of reputations, the Dornish were the only only one of the seven kingdoms that were never conquered by the Targaryens in the early days of Westeros. Or the those beginning days of uh, Aegon's conquest. And if you read the book Fire and Blood, it goes into even more detail that Dorne was kind of a problem for the Targaryens. They they just they couldn't do it. They could not make Dorne submit. It was only years later, through marriage and, you know, a treaty, that Dorne came into the fold, thus completing seven of the kingdoms. But of course, Dorne is is a nation all their own. So it's easy to make an ally of Dorne because, well, they're not on the side of who's in charge of Westeros right now. Nor should they be. So, of course, yeah, you know what? The Dragon Queen's coming over? Yeah, let's absolutely join up with her because 
she will burn the seven kingdoms just to, down to the ground. And together, all of us, we, we will rebuild the country. And it'll be better. Wouldn't you be cocky a little bit? Maybe not even cocky. Just, I mean, well, just a little. You would be confident. And you would be justified in that confidence because you have the numbers. You have the dragons. You have the power. And then not only that, now you've made an ally of the North, which is uh, the, the largest portion of Westeros. Jon Snow won't bend the knee because that's not why he's there. He's like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to make, I just, we need allies. We need help because fuck what's happening over here. You know, to hell with your conquest. None of that matters. What matters is the fact that there are dead men and there are white walkers coming after us to kill us all. And if we don't beat them, then it just, none of this is important. There is no kingdom. There is no realm. And when Danny sees it for herself, she goes, you know what? You're right. I will be your ally. Now, here's the thought. Here's the thing. Daenerys, I mean, she... She's expected... It's expected that because Jon Snow bent the knee, finally, says, you know what? I, you are my queen. I, I will, I will bend the knee. She even says, well, I mean, well, what about your people? And Jon Snow says, oh, they'll, they'll come to see you as, as I do, as, as you truly are. They'll, they'll understand. And obviously the North does not understand. But Danny's got it in her head that, well, but everyone here follows John. So if John has bent the knee willingly, then everyone else will come around. I mean, can you blame her for being a little bit uh, taken aback when everyone in the North is none too keen about her? I keep seeing chatter about this everywhere online, how everyone just is, is complaining about how Danny is handling her position. It's like, oh, she's going too crazy. Like, no, she's being herself. And not to mention, now that this episode has given us a post-long night, uh, now now we're in rest, Westeros post-the-long night. They We've just experienced the dead attacking us and guess what we almost lost thankfully we didn't and thankfully uh that was mostly due to the fact that we have this massive army that the dragon queen daenerys brought to us and nobody thanks her nobody bothers to say well you know if it weren't for uh, the dothraki on the front line wow we really would have been screwed Nobody's saying, well, thank God for the Unsullied for uh, picking up the slack since the Dothraki got decimated. Hey, by the way, the Dothraki got decimated. All of them. The supposedly uh, greatest warriors on in the world. In this world. They're all gone. And all quickly, too. And then the Unsullied holding down the fort. I mean, I, I went on about this uh, last episode, I know. But it's just... Danny had to watch all of that. Danny had to fight her own undead dragon in the air, almost dying herself. She had to watch her most trusted, uh, uh, I mean, well, not most trusted, but Sir Jorah. She had to hold him in her arms and watch him die after he just, like, fought blood, sweat, and tears, all of it fought to his last breath to protect her and think and did not go down until all was said and done she had to say goodbye to that guy she had to say goodbye to half of her army all of the dothraki 
and nobody is she gets one bit of props in this episode during uh with the battle's done so now it's time to meet in the great hall and you know what have it let's have a drink let's have a feast because we survived let's have a night where we can celebrate being alive and it's great it's a great episode i'm not even going to go into the whole starbucks cup scandal thing because that's just kind of funny it's funny come on <laughs> let one little thing slip up in this massive thing and the internet goes crazy you guys are ridiculous but you know more on that in a second but it's great because we get to see interactions with people and they're having fun Brienne's drinking with the Lannister boys Tormund is is drinking himself into oblivion because he's just happy to be alive and he's just you know he's he's fanboying out over Jon Snow this this big massive wildling fanboying out <laughs> on Jon Snow the little crow he calls him he's like can you believe this guy he's just he he's a leader this 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 is the the leader I've always dreamed of I never thought I'd ever meet him and and who who would have thought he was a crow he got killed for for helping us and he came back I mean, who does that? Nobody does that. Except for this guy. Except for maybe a true king. And, you know, he's just talking out loud and having fun and being drunk and everyone's laughing. Even John's laughing. He's like, oh, you crazy, crazy man. Daenerys isn't laughing, though, because she realizes in that moment, well, it's true. You know, they do follow John for a reason. He's, he draws people. Because he's a natural leader, even though he doesn't even want it. But none of them have shown that kind of respect to her, even though, if not for her, they'd all be gone. The only person that is speaking truth about that is John. And he keeps arguing with Sansa. It's like, you know, if it's not if not for her, we'd be dead right now. We'd all be dead. But Sansa's like, oh, I don't trust her. And let us let me just, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it because I know there's a huge surge of, of people who are team Sansa. And look, I am, I am sympathetic to Sansa's journey. She's been through a lot. She deserves to have some wins here and there. But Sansa is becoming the new Peter Baelish. The new Littlefinger. And that's not a good thing. It didn't work out for Peter Baelish. Not ultimately. He had a good long run. And he's an intriguing character. Or was. But he was nothing but lies and deceit. And plots and schemes. And all that finally caught up to him. She's learned from that. She's She has learned how to play the game based on him. But the problem is now she's becoming too much like him. It's only a matter of time before we see her start making her own plots and schemes just to get Daenerys out of there. She has no cause to not trust Danny. What, just because she's a Targaryen? She's the whole reason you're still alive. She's just the whole reason John's alive. John and his crew of Suicide Squad would have died beyond the wall when they were trying to bring back that uh, random white. They were dead. They were finished. If not for Danny swooping in with the dragons, of whom one of them she lost. In the process. So is it so crazy to think that this journey Danny has been on this whole time, this this uh, uh, like 10-year journey to get back home to Westeros, to feel like destiny has called her to do something great, that maybe she is worthy to be the natural ruler. The story has set that up. That certainly she has been on this journey. That certainly she is one of maybe two people that we follow that could be the destined ruler. And now people want to say she's crazy. 
Well, she just watched half of her army get decimated. She's lost one of her dragons. And in this episode, out of nowhere, she loses another dragon. Now we're down to one. Poor Rhaegal got destroyed by uh, an assorted number of those uh, scorpions. Because Euron Greyjoy's got a bunch on his ship. Not only that, the walls of King's Landing are now loaded with them. And then she had to watch as her best friend, her trusted confidant, Missande, is executed right before her eyes. Yeah, you're damn right she is a little bit angry. She's a lot a bit angry. The northern forces that she's supposedly uh, supposed to be allies with all don't trust her based on Sansa. You know, there's there's dissension among the ranks, and now she's she's all the stuff she's worked for. She's had to watch her slowly but surely lose it. All this time, she's been told, you know what? You don't want to just go in there and burn the place down because that's what your ancestor did, and you're trying to, you know, you said you want to break the wheel. Well, your ancestor started the wheel. So if you really want to break it, you can't do things the way he does. You got to play the political game. Well, every time she plays the political game, nothing works out. And do you remember what Olena Terrell, God rest her soul, said? You're a dragon. Be a dragon. And you know the last time she was a dragon was the uh, the loot train, the uh, the battle uh, right outside of Highgarden where she destroyed the Lannister fleet. She was a dragon that day. She, on top of Drogon, with the Dothraki horde, laying waste to the Lannister and the Tarly army. And unfortunately, she did burn Randall and Dickon Tarly, which ultimately probably not a great move. She gave them a choice and they made it. Now, I agree that was a bit impulsive. And, you know, Tyrion tried to be like, you you really should not do that. But she did it. She was being a dragon. And now all of her advisors, everyone, like Varys now, Tyrion, they're all just kind of, we don't know what to do about her, her and her temperament. Temperament? She's a Targaryen, and every time she tries to play the political game the way you are all telling her to play, it doesn't work out. Meanwhile, there's Cersei, smirking and smiling and scheming, truly playing the game. Can you not see why that might make Danny? a little pissed on why she might be acting a little erratically a little because i mean wouldn't you and on top of all of that now she's being told that the guy she's in love with is also her nephew and oh by the way is technically uh the uh well not technically he is the rightful heir to the throne the very thing you have been working towards, the very thing that this whole thing has been about, it's called Game of Thrones. Now you're being told that this guy has the higher claim. Wouldn't that piss you off a little bit? Because you know that he has the higher claim he's a man and men in this world you know they it's they have the higher claim regardless just for being a man and therefore even if he doesn't want it as she says it doesn't matter what you want the people are going to demand it because you're a guy 
and because you're, you know, the, the rightful heir, even though you don't want it, even though it's technically, it should be mine because this is what I have been aiming for. And you know, you can feel how you want about that situation. But you can't be mad at Danny for being agitated at this whole thing. She's not going crazy. She's she's just she's angry. She's angry that she came to Westeros, decided to play it the political way, is not getting recognized for it, has lost most of her army with no uh 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 with nobody's uh, sympathy at all, no one's thank yous, and it's not supposed to be a nice realm, we know that, there's nothing about this place that's nice, but, you know, come on, you gotta give credit where credit's due, give the props, no one's doing that, no one except John, and she doesn't want to hear from John, because it's, John is, is Aegon, he's the heir, and now John can't even uh, he can't even look at her the same way knowing what he knows about himself. But he's still going to fight for her even though no one in the north says she says that uh, he should. Now I will say that Danny wanting to go up and fight Cersei immediately after uh, the battle for Winterfell just happened not smart, not great planning. That's impulsive. And I'll give Sansa that one. When she said, uh, you know, we got to let our guys rest. You know, they, they just lived through this traumatic experience. We got to give them some time. And Danny's like, well, there is no time. No, you, you want to hold it back. You, you want to stop me from reaching my ultimate goal. And, you know, in that moment, I understand. It's like, okay, calm down, Danny, calm down. But she's agitated. It's a it's a very stressful environment. It's a stressful time, and it's a really stressful time on uh, the Targaryen side right now. Can't we forgive her a little bit for being angry and stressed out with all this shit that's happened to her? But maybe I'm just uh, screaming into the void myself. But the episode's called The Last of the Starks. And John, he knows he probably shouldn't, but he's gotta. He's gotta tell his family, he's gotta tell his sisters, his brother, that he's actually not their brother. And he makes them swear. It's like, okay, I gotta tell you something, but it is something you absolutely cannot share with anyone you can't do it because if you do it puts everything in jeopardy it could very well cause the whole realm to just cause we're going to be divided and if we're all divided now then then what was the point of fighting together in the first place and he and they say okay we swear and he tells Brand to uh tell him tell him the truth about who John is. And then in enter Sansa, who spills the beans like almost right away to Tyrion. And of course, you can't tell that to Tyrion because he's going to tell uh, someone else. He's going to tell Varys, who Varys is like, well, it's certainly not a secret now if that many people know. And Varys, let's talk about Varys for a second. Okay. I like Varys as a character just because he's so bizarre and because he's uh, he's a straight shooter most of the time. And his scenes with Tyrion are just just playing gold. Shout out to uh, the actor who plays him. Uh, I believe it's uh, Conleth Hill. Fantastic stuff with him and Peter Dinklage. However, if you think that his whole stance of 
I serve the realm because someone has to. That is who I truly serve, is the, the good of the realm. If you really believe that, you have not been paying attention because he does not look out for the well-being of the realm. He looks out for the well-being of himself. It's always been about himself. He grew up an actor, uh, you know, and he was castrated and slump, you know, was slumming it out in the streets. He became a thief because he wanted to enrich in himself. And he discovered that men's secrets were worth more than, you know, the, what the contents of their pockets. Because knowledge is power. And if he has knowledge, he has power. Think back to, uh... Season 2. The end of Season 2. I mean, the entirety of Season 2, Varys is, has been basically uh, Tyrion's uh, right-hand... Well, not his right-hand man, but just his, his confidant. It's Varys that he consults with and, uh, and uh, you know, has, has a lot of dialogue with. And they, they understand how the realm should be run. And Varys is the first one to really recognize that Tyrion is truly trying to do right by the realm. And truly trying to save people from the oncoming uh, danger that is Stannis Baratheon. But at the end of it... When Tyrion gets wounded and you know, his father Tywin comes in and inevitably saves the day and is given all the credit, even though it was Tyrion who really saved the city, ultimately. Then Varys says, well, now that your father's back and he's the hand now, you're just kind of, you're just kind of here and I, I can't be seen with you because, you know, reasons. And Tyrion said, I thought we were friends. He's like, yeah, we are, kind of. Totally just, you know, ditches him. For his own self-interest, at Tyrion's trial for Joffrey's murder, Varys takes the stand and basically uh, pleads his case against Tyrion. Even though Tyrion calls him out. He's like, have you forgotten what you said? That that the, you know, the, the, the realm would be lost without my help? He goes, no, I don't, I don't forget anything. Self-interest. And the only reason Varys helps to smuggle Tyrion out of the country is because Jaime set him free. Jaime said, I'm setting Tyrion free, and you're going to help him. Like, okay, fine. I'll put him on a boat and sail him off to Pentos. And Varys was not even going to go with him. It was only after the bells rung and it was revealed that, you know, Tywin's dead. That's when Varys is like, oh God, if I, okay, if I go back now, I'm going to be blamed for this. Okay, bye, I'm leaving. So then he hops ship because he's looking out for himself. He's not looking after Tyrion. He's not looking after the good of the realm. He, he takes off. And then he decides, hey, you know that original plan my buddy Illyrio and I had to get the Targaryens back in power? Yeah, let's, let's, uh... Let's see that one through. And now... Now he's just... He's saying like, oh, she's too temperamental and maybe Jon Snow's the better guy. I mean... I'm not going to argue with you. The, the should Is Jon Snow probably the better ruler... Ultimately, maybe, but we don't know that. We can't assume that. You know, the, the, the story has shown us that he is a capable leader, but he makes mistakes in his leadership. His main mistake is doing the right thing and letting his people know because they don't agree with it. Basically, every decision John makes... His people don't agree with it. The northern people were talking to Sansa behind Jon's back saying, you know what, maybe you should have been our leader. Just bitching and complaining the whole time just because he decided to go south to meet Daenerys to make a potential ally, which, by the way, he did. 
And still they complain. So you think him on the throne won't cause complaints from people? Because they will. And I get it. I get it. Daenerys is probably going to be uh, uh, a problem for people as well. Because, you know, I don't think Westeros, the people of Westeros, like the idea of being ruled by a woman. I don't think they like the idea of being ruled by a Targaryen just because Targaryens did it for so long. But John keeps saying, you got to get to know her. You got to get to know the kind of person she is. You have to talk to her people. But no, they don't want to hear it. And to be fair, the North have they've been through a lot just in the span of this of the show that we've seen so far. They've been through a lot. So it's understandable when they rechristen themselves a, a, an independent nation as they once were for so many years. It's understandable they don't want to bow down to another uh, southern leader. I get it. But who's to say that if Daenerys took the throne, that things would go back to the status quo? There are certainly hints about it, but we just don't know. And we don't know what John would do to the throne, or do on the throne as the king. I'm willing to wager that by the end of this all, this this whole series, there is no throne. Let's say for argument's sake, John accepts, accepts his role. And he says, you know what? We're done with this. No more throne. We're getting rid of it. We're, we're going to melt this thing down. No more seven kingdoms. And we turn this thing into a democracy. Where we all have voices. We're all equal. No more kings. It causes too much, too, too many problems. The hierarchy. It's just, it's, it's a problem. That's how you break the wheel. Maybe Daenerys does that. Maybe, maybe she makes it out throughout this whole thing. I kind of doubt it, but let's say she does. And that's when she realizes, you know what? I've been going about this all wrong. That's, I don't want to rule everyone. Maybe I just expected people to, to follow me and and believe in me. And that was the mistake was, was setting my expectations too high. So you know what? Fine. No more throne. You won't have a king. You won't have a queen. We will all be equal because in the end, that's what we are. Just, we're just people. Maybe she does that. Maybe John does it. Maybe the both of them agree to it. I don't know. But I'm willing I'm willing to bet that throne is null and void at the end of it all. Now, the Masande thing. It's hard to speak about this being, you know, you know I'm not a uh, I am not a person of color. If you can't tell, But I, I was noticing that people online were taking this really hard, her, her execution, because they, they figured it was, it was an insult to the fans that uh, one of few people of color had to be executed. And my argument was, that has nothing to do with it. It served the purpose of the narrative, the, to serve the purpose of having... Daenerys go over the edge. Would you have complained if it had been if Masunday was cast as a as a non-person of color? Probably not. I don't know. But then, so so I had to you know I got into it with another person who who deliberately went out of their way to say that uh, the writers of the show uh, you can tell that the writers are men because only men would write this way. And I got news for you: the whole creator of this series is a man. Are you going to complain to him? 
It's always been him. You started watching this show. This show doesn't exist without books created by this guy. I'll do you one better. Missande, in the books, is a child. And she doesn't really have much of a role. It's the show that gave her the spotlight. And it's Natalie Emanuel's performance that makes it shine. So, you know, what are we doing here? What, what do you want? You think specifically because she is a person of color that that's why she was executed? No. Come on. You're stretching. But I had, this person went out of their way to say, like, the men write this show have no respect for people of color because otherwise this scene wouldn't have happened. Yes, it would. Yeah, it would. But if Masande was cast as a non-person of color, you'd complain that, why doesn't the show get more diverse? And look, I get it. Diversity is a problem on the show. But this is the realm that it exists in. And you got to understand also, A Song of Ice and Fire, this series was inspired by events that happened in real life, like the War of the Roses. You know, British War. That's... Those are all white people. So, you know, I don't... I don't know. I don't know what we're doing here. I don't know what you want here. And maybe I'm speaking out of turn on that, but I just, like... I get why people would be upset about it, but at the same time, I don't get it. Like, I don't get personally going after people based on the the fact that you think that they have an agenda. And, you know, I, I kind of... I tried to uh, offer my point of view on that based on what I believe was going on. It's like, I think you're looking at it from the wrong perspective here. And, of course, you know, then... You know, I mudslinging occurred, and it's like, okay, cool. I can't have a decent conversation. But I talked to another friend of mine, uh, uh, who is a person of color, and I said, I would really love your uh, your take on this. How how did that that make you feel? And she offered some great insight. And ultimately, it was, look, diversity is a problem on that show, and it has been, you know, historically for all kinds of shows. But as far as that this story goes, I feel that particular scene fit the narrative of what's to come. So she wasn't bothered by it. But I needed to hear her insight. And like, you know what? Okay. It's a great point. And yeah, it is a problem. But I guess my whole thing was, do you think, do you really believe they went out of their way to throw this scene in just to get rid of one of few people of color on the show because that, that's that's ridiculous. I think that's ridiculous, but I'm not going to begrudge anyone's feelings on the matter because your feelings are your feelings. That's fine. But I got to tell you, this is becoming exhausting. It's becoming exhausting trying to defend the show that I thought so many people loved. I went on Twitter and I said, you know, I, I missed the day, the early days of Game of Thrones when it didn't seem like the whole world was watching because we didn't complain so much back then. We were just happy to get a good TV show. And I got to tell you, I still love this show. But everybody picking every single thing apart is just, it's just, it's exhausting. And I said, you know, if, if, you, if you're mad at the show, if you're mad at certain events that occur, just stop watching. You know, I don't, I don't understand why you got to go on, uh, you got to make it a mission to point out all the flaws and all the, uh, why the show now sucks, which by the way, I don't agree with, but that, you know, that's just my opinion, but it's a simple fix. I remember there was a time where we were all loving Walking Dead and then that show very much started to just drag and it got bad and I, you know what I did? I stopped watching because the show went downhill for me and for a lot of people. So I stopped. 
and I haven't gone back. I, I you know, I've heard things that they've they've uh, course corrected, what have you, and I'm sure they did. And I'm sure one day when the show finally ends, whenever that might be, I might uh, revisit it. Try again. But I stopped watching because there was no point. There was no point in me, you know, continuously week after week going on and discussing why the show sucks. Who's got the time for that? Who's got the time to be that agitated all the time? Just put, just change the channel. You know, just put on something else. Put on something that makes you happy. Watching Game of Thrones while stressful, yes, is exciting and makes me happy. And I enjoy talking about it. No TV show, no movie is not without its flaws. And I get it. And there are things, you know, season five of Game of Thrones is the weakest. I'll agree. But it is what it is. Season five also gave us the episode Hard Home, and that's one of my favorite episodes of the entire series. So, you know, can't be too mad at it. I personally think the execution of Missandei served the narrative because now, now we're getting an unhinged Daenerys who is no longer concerned with doing things the political way because that hasn't worked. Now it's time to be a dragon, just like Lady Olena told her. You're a conqueror, Danny. That's what you are. That's what uh, Dario Naharis of the Second Sons back in Essos told her. She's going to be a dragon now. And Grey Worm. The Unsullied are considered not human. They are simply fighting machines. They know no fear, no pain. But Masande was his humanity. He found it. He, he, he reclaimed it. He reclaimed it when Daenerys set him free and he chose to stay and fight for her. And he connected with Masande. That became his love. He he re he found his humanity again. But now, now it's gone. And the only thing left of Grey Worm is the unsullied killing machine. I think he's going to do some crazy stuff. I don't think he's going to make it out of this whole thing entirely, but... Uh, I've been wrong before. I thought he was going to die in the long night, but he didn't. He was one of the few survivors. And briefly, the ghost thing. Okay. Do you realize how expensive it is to, uh, to get the wolves on screen? And you also have to understand, this is a TV show. This isn't a book. You know, there are certain things logistically you have to think about. Or that the the producers have to think about. It's like, well, we don't have the budget. We have the budget to do this, but we don't have the budget for that. So you're going to have to substitute one or the other. And unfortunately, the wolves, that's expensive. Would you rather have the wolves or the badass dragon stuff? Because that's really expensive. And frankly, you're all going to complain if we don't get enough dragons. It's just, it's the truth. But why didn't John at least pet or say a final farewell to Ghost? Because he couldn't. It was hard enough for him saying goodbye to Tormund and saying goodbye to Sam... Both of which he doesn't know he's going to see again because he's going south to fight. And this time he may not come back. Tormund is going back up north because he says that's where he belongs. So he really may never see Tormund again. There's just so so many things he doesn't know. And when he sees Ghost and he says, Tormund, take Ghost with you up north because that's where he belongs. He doesn't belong cooped up here. He needs to be up north with his wild uh, brethren, you know? But he can't say goodbye to him. He can't pet him. He can't do that because to do that would absolutely break John. Because in a sense, he is saying goodbye to his home. He is saying goodbye to the wolf for the dragon. It's symbolic. 
Now, you may not be happy about it, but you have to understand why. Why he did it. Or didn't do it in this case. Symbolism, man. That's what it's all about. It's what this show is about. It's about symbolism. It's about learning life lessons through this fantastical realm. Making sense in all of the chaos. And now we've only got two episodes left and it is going to be crazy. I, I, I'm going to wager a guess and say these last two episodes are going to be just one giant battle. Two halves of one giant battle. And we might get some resolutions here and there for the last episode. I think the last one is supposed to be the longest. Don't quote me on that, but I think. Rightfully so, because we gotta, you know, we've got to figure a lot of things out in these two episodes. Oh, man. I'm already antsy thinking about it. And I'm already stressed out. But that's just life in Westeros when you're watching Game of Thrones. There'll be more to talk about, and I think uh, think I'm gonna I'm gonna rant a little more here in a little bit, uh, so you'll get uh, kind of double your pleasure for this episode. You've waited. Now it's time to reward. But those are my thoughts on the Masande's thing and the ghost thing. But I want to hear your thoughts. Let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at Mark the Bad. Hit me up uh, if you're listening on Anchor. You can send me a message. Let's have a discussion, an actual discussion, not not mudslinging, not uh, finger pointing, not uh, you know, you're wrong, I'm right, none of that. Come on, I, I've seen enough of that. I went through enough of that earlier. Let's just have a civilized conversation. All right, that's Mark of Thrones here on Mark Talk. <laughs>